Do you ever have a great pairing like watermelon and mint or pistachio granita and Rice Krispie treats? That sounds really good, actually. <laughs> and it just makes each part taste different, maybe even better than they would on their own. This is Juxtapose, the podcast where we bring you two tasty pieces of art to see what they're like together. I'm your host, B. Forkin. And I'm Sarah Peacher. Let's dig in. Today I've brought to the table The Summer People, a short story by Kelly Link published in her collection Get in Trouble, which was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. I first found this book actually in the little library just up the street from me, and I didn't have any preconceived notions about what to expect from Kelly Link, but I opened it up and saw in the praise for the collection a quote from Karen Russell, whose collection of short stories I had read a few years ago and enjoyed. This first story in the collection that I'm bringing to the table today really spoke to me in a way I wasn't expecting. Like, it just keeps following me around, sort of haunting me in a way I'd imagine Kelly is hoping her work will haunt folks. Not in a, I'm going to have nightmares about this forever way, but a, that was weird and magical and I can't stop thinking about it kind of way. So let me get into who Kelly Link is and what she's doing a little bit. She writes fiction, mainly magical realism or slipstream, which is actually a new term I learned doing this episode, the research for this episode. Slipstream refers to speculative fiction that doesn't confine itself to our expectations of genre or narrative. It combines elements of sci-fi, horror, mystery, fiction, fantasy, and realism. Specifically with Kelly Link's work, it ties fairy tale and folklore to our present moment. It's like once upon a time without the in a land far away part. Kelly says in an interview with Publishers Weekly, quote, I love art that is weird and personal, same, <laughs> but connects to these esoteric things, whether you're making a cake or a piece of music, the eternal and the pop cultural intersect, end quote. That's something that really drew me to her work, especially this story that there's something that seems to transcend time or reach back into a history of folktales while also very much existing in this present moment. We can connect to both of these aspects. In this story, we meet Fran, who is the teenage daughter of a single father who's an alcoholic and a religious man. Fran is sick with a fever at the beginning of the story and enlists help from a girl at her school named Ophelia, who she isn't close to at the beginning of the story, but their relationship develops throughout it. In order to recover from her fever, Fran asks Ophelia to go to the house of the summer people and get a remedy from them. Through conversations between Fran and Ophelia, we learn more about Fran's connection to the summer people who are these magical and strange and mostly invisible people. And she's connected to these people through her mother who is no longer present in her life. Fran and Ophelia discuss their dreams of leaving their small town for California, but Fran can't leave because Bad things will happen to her if she abandons the summer people, and Ophelia gets increasingly entangled with them. You'll have to read the story to actually hear about how things turn out. I'll point out a couple of parts where I felt really engaged, and they both had to do with the house of the summer people. I don't know about y'all, but I am very into houses. <laughs> They're pretty cool. <laughs> 
There's the initial description of the house as Ophelia enters the upstairs, where the summer people have decorated it with moss and mushrooms. It's very cottage core. <laughs> the summer people are there, but Ophelia never sees them. And there's a bedroom Fran says she slept in before that's pink and gold, and the bed is shaped like a swan. Honestly, like my childhood dream bedroom. <laughs> It all sounds incredible, but there's this looming sense of something bad could happen if you're not careful in that house. So today I brought to the table one of my all-time favorite songs by Rihanna called Desperado. Desperado is a song off of Rihanna's eighth studio album, Anti, released in 2016. According to Wikipedia, Rihanna rented a house in Malibu over several months with a few other musicians and writers to put this album together. This song is probably one of my favorite songs by her because it's so relatable. Who hasn't been in a relationship that was no longer serving them in any way, shape, or form, but it's so much easier to accept that unsatisfying relationship rather than being alone. Obviously not the healthiest message to internalize out there, but I feel like it's definitely an experience I can relate to and probably other people too. I have this super weird thing that happens in my life that whenever I'm going through something, a song literally seems to find me like at the exact moment that I need it. Mm -hmm. So I've been like a forever Rihanna fan, but this song came to me one summer when I was going through a painful moment in one of my relationships. Mm -hmm. um, so the sound on this song definitely creates an edgy atmospheric mood that's bordering on brooding that I think is accomplished through that lower tempo, haunting vocals, deep synths, and slow drum. The song pulses with an intensity. Jordan Bassett of NME described the track as brooding, tense, and I think that's a perfect description. The deep synths and haunting vocals really matches content to form, as they say in poetry. Apparently, the opening of the song with those vocals is actually taken from a song, Waiting Game, by Banks. Mm. This isn't explicitly published anywhere except on some random Reddit threads and on TikTok. Mm. And I felt like that was a really interesting note um, about this song. So Mike Schultz is the producer. A little bit about the song now. We'll get into the title itself. When I was preparing for this episode, I looked up the definition and found that desperado is a noun and means a desperate or reckless person. Or another definition states that a desperado is a, quote, bold and violent person criminal, a bandit from 19th century Western USA. Narratively, this song is about a person who's in love with the desperado, who she's attracted to and willing to assume this desperado lone wolf lifestyle with, but ultimately doesn't feel that the relationship will give her what she wants, and she'd rather accept whatever this desperado is willing to give her than accept being alone. First question I have for you, as I was thinking about these two pieces, I noticed this overlap between Rihanna and Kelly Link, where they're both reaching into another genre or sort of this pre-existing idea in storytelling that many people will recognize, and then turning it sideways to tell a new story. Kelly Link almost like completely morphs everything into something completely different, <laughs> but you know, 
Anyway, how do you see this happening in Desperado? So with Desperado, I see Rihanna evoking the Western motif of a lone wolf bandit to represent a kind of unavailable relationship and a yearning for someone who is myth and who mm. will never provide what she needs or wants, but the refusal to truly let it go. Where I see it with Kelly Link, uh, reaching into a pre-existing story that is primarily through like these witchy vibes of the summer people and their house and sort of how they function reminds me a little bit of Hansel and Gretel. Maybe a little less violent, but <laughs> that could be up to interpretation, especially if you read this story, you might come across some scenes that are so ominous to the point that you might expect them to end poorly, but we never know how they end. It seems to me that she uses the main character's ties to the summer people and the way that she's tied to them for life as a way to talk about how people from small towns mm. might find it hard to leave. So as much as this story is magical and a little fantastical, it really depicts a continued experience for many people in a contemporary way. Two. Okay, so I had a question about Desperado. Is Rihanna only saying the person that she's with is the Desperado, or does she desire to be one herself, too? So I think it was both in the song. Mm. I think at one point in the song, she says that she's going to become a lone wolf. She's like, I'm not going against you. I want to go. I want to go with you. That's what she says. Mm -hmm. And so she's saying that so that she can be with this person. Honestly, it kind of reminds me of that situation that can happen when there's a partner sometimes who's involved in like an addiction or something, the person who wants to be with that person, like sometimes like they'll end up actually enga engaging in that drug use just mm. so that they can connect with that person mm. so that they can be in the same kind of state with them. And it's like, oh, that's how I can bond with you. That's how I can be with you. Mm. Mm. Was your What was your take on it? Did you feel like she was trying to be... Like, did she want to be a desperado? Like, did you have a similar reading of that? Definitely the the chorus was giving me that vibe, but there's more details about in the verses about that relationship that make it seem more like the other person is the desperado. But I think that you said it perfectly, talking about a desire to be like the person that you are desiring mm -hmm. uh, and trying to be more like them so that they will accept and love you and want you in their life because you're taking part in the same things that they are. Mm -hmm. So I've got some questions for you too. I feel like the thread that ties these pieces together is the idea of haunting. This song obviously has that very haunting vibe in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then the story Summer People has this haunting vibe to it as well. Mm -hmm. In what ways do you think the haunting differs here or it collides? Mm -hmm. What was your take on that? Mm. I think the difference I identify is the kind of relationship that's involved in the haunting. It's kind of funny to think about like having a relationship with a ghost or something ghostly. Rihanna, from what I understand, is thinking about a romantic relationship and how this person she desires, maybe is potentially in love with, just keeps running away from her. And then with the summer people, the relationship there is a little harder for me to identify um, it's akin to relationships with relatives mm. from the sense that I get, but there's this element of the main character also serving the, these people. Yeah. She's wanting to get out of this 
obligatory situation and the situation that's tying her down. Yeah, I felt like there was an element in the summer people where she was like forever tied to the summer people. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, there's this weird dynamic that started between Ophelia and Fran. Absolutely. Of like asking for help and asking for help comes with a set of things that you don't necessarily uh, realize. Right. And and Fran resists Ophelia's help for a while because she's been serving the summer people. They've needed her help for so long that she's worried that her relationship of, with Ophelia will be the same type of thing where she's indebted to this person forever. This actually kind of ties back a little bit to the episode that we did on Sharon Olds and Ross Gay and their poems mm-hmm. about entanglement. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's showing up here a little bit differently, but maybe not that different. Just the idea of being tied to others mm-hmm. is a theme that I saw between these two pieces. And I was wondering if you saw that link as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. When I think of the summer people, like I was saying, Fran feels like she literally cannot leave because of this entanglement, which you'll have to find out whether or not she stays entangled the entire time, hint, hint. But what does it look like for her to become disentangled? Mm. What At what cost is she going to become disentangled from the summer people? Yeah, I feel like that's a really hard question that Rihanna is asking in her song as well of like, okay, this person, the desperado is running from me. Um, I keep chasing them, but eventually like, I'm going to have to make a decision. Like, do I stay here in this unsatisfying relationship or do I make the decision to be alone? And like, for whatever sad reason, so many people feel like making that decision to be alone is like so scary and like a terrifying prospect to face. Like, I guess there's, like, a lot of fear that being alone will somehow mean that you're alone forever. Mm. And it's, like, not true, but that's, like, the lies that we tell ourselves sometimes. Like, Yeah, if we become disentangled from one relationship, does that mean every other relationship will fall apart too? Or will we be able to last a whole lifetime with the people that we want to have in our life? The idea of being indebted to people, though, and, like, it really does suck that accepting help sometimes means that someone's going to have a kind of like power over you or like Mm. control over you or like use your vulnerability to like be exploited in some way because you need their help and like Mm -hmm. that's hard I think to navigate sometimes yeah yeah that's why trust is such a huge thing in relationships is do I trust this person enough to allow them to help me and to make myself vulnerable to them And that's where the entanglement comes in uh, because that relationship becomes a two-way street. You have to trust each other. You have to completely link up together. Uh, But you might not want to do that with a desperado. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) No, don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. Yes. Wait, what's the difference between ghostly and ghastly? This is a total aside. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess ghostly refers to a ghost. I am not sure. 
What ghastly means? I feel like ghastly is like your skin, like you look like, okay, ghastly, causing great horror or fear, frightful. She was overcome with horror at the ghastly spectacle, extremely unwell, deathly white or pallid. Okay. Okay. Interesting. They're so, like, they seem so close in my brain, those Mm. two words, probably because of spelling reasons, but anyway. Thanks for listening to today's episode about Kelly Link and Rihanna. Before I close things out, I wanted to mention that the title of Kelly Link's short story actually references another piece of fiction by Shirley Jackson, and it's the same name, and it's also suspenseful and haunting, and if you wanted to pair it with Link's story, it would be really interesting, I'm sure. Please check out our website at the link in the description for more information about this episode, and if you have any feedback or a pairing you're dying for us to talk about, send us a message over on our website as well. We'll be back again in a couple weeks with an episode we're very excited for about the Barbie movie and Missy Elliott.